Well, hey, good evening, Mosaic. You can take a quick seat. Hey, my name is Ashley Covert, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet. But I've been here for almost two years, so what are we waiting on? I'd be enchanted to meet you. Um, hey, a couple of things. If this is your first time here, we would love to get to know you. Um, there are a couple ways to connect on the screen behind me, but we'll also have our staff in the foyer after service. Please don't leave without saying hi. Um, second thing I wanna let you know about is later this month on the 19th, which is a Wednesday, we're gonna have our annual family swim night. They know, they know. Um, this is a free event, there's no registration needed. We do this down in Springdale at the Aquatic Center. Um, it'll be 7.30 to 9.15, so grab a dinner and then come hang out with us at the pool, it's a really great time. Um, next thing I want to remind you of, I think we've got it pretty well figured out, uh, in, but a few weeks ago we started having a, a designated prayer section here in the back on the right and left side. So you'll see some signs that say um, reserved for prayer. If you're sitting back there, our prayer team is likely gonna come ask you if there's anything they can pray for you about. Um, if that's not something you're interested in, go ahead and scoot forward. But also, if that's something you're interested in, please sit back there, we'd love to connect with you. Um, another reason we're doing that is to bring you forward a little bit. Um, you know how we've been doing communion each week of rhythms. Tonight, we're gonna be passing the plates. So it would serve our usher team really well to have you guys scoot up just a little bit. So let's scoot up just a little bit. All right, that's all I've got for you. I'm gonna pray and then we'll continue in worship. So bow your heads. Lord, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the opportunity we have to be here um, as this body, as fellowship, as mosaic. We're so grateful for this rhythm series and the way that you've been shaping and molding us. God, we ask that as this series continues, uh, we do not leave without knowing and loving you more. In your name pray, amen. Searching for answers 
so undeniable. If you believe this, sing this with me. Love so undeniable, I can hardly speak. Peace so unexplainable, I, I can hardly speak as you call me. Deeper still as you call me. Deeper still, yes. Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, Multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gifts to us, your Son and your Spirit.
Well, hey, grab a seat. Tonight, um, we're going to have our monthly prayer pause. And um, the purpose of our pause is to just give us a chance in the busyness of the week, even in the busyness of tonight, to just take a deep breath or several. And for me, as I breathe deeply, it enables me to just relax. And it reminds me, God, you are here and you are at work. And so let me invite you right now, just take several deep breaths and just relax. And as you relax, just acknowledge, God, thanks that you're here. And the center of the diagram is really to refocus our attention on God and who He is. And so each month, we try and give a different aspect of who God is. And so um, Colin's going to be talking about solitude and silence and how in solitude and silence we seek to listen and be present to God. And so tonight, in the center of that, put the, 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 the aspect of God, our God, who hears us. And that's what we're going to talk about. And so John 1, or excuse me, in John 10, if we can pull up the slide, Jesus is talking about the good shepherd. And in verse 4, he says, and the sheep hear him, hear him, excuse me, the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And then in 27, Jesus personalizes that, and he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so could you just take a moment to say, Jesus, thank you that you want me to hear your voice, and then just sit with that a minute. And with our graphic, the significant, a couple of the significant pieces are receiving what has said. And then um, when it comes to the truth, I need to receive that truth. So, but there are lies that the enemy has every single one of us believing about who God is and, and God's desire to speak to us. And so as you breathe in, I want you to just breathe this prayer. Jesus, I receive the truth that I can hear your voice and that you want to speak to me. Please help me to learn to hear you. So breathe that in. Just say that quietly to the Lord and breathe that in. And then as you breathe out, I want you to breathe out this prayer. I reject the lie that I cannot hear you or that you do not want to speak to me. And again, sit with that 
and just verbalize that back to the Lord and sit quietly. Jesus wants to speak to you and me tonight. Also, um, Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you ever feel condemned? Do you ever feel judged? Again, I want, to th- want you to take a minute and say, Jesus, thank you that you will never condemn me. And then I want you to receive. Jesus, I receive the truth that you will never condemn me because I I am fully forgiven through your sacrifice. Again, breathe that in. And then breathe out. I reject the lie of the enemy that you would ever condemn me or reject me since I am yours. And then another thought from Romans 8, 31. Paul says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you realize that God is for you and me and never against us? And so again, thank him. Take a minute to just thank him for that that truth. And now, receive. Jesus, I receive the truth that you are for me and that you will never be against me. Again, speak that out to the Lord and breathe that in.
The enemy wants us to think that when things don't go well or they're hard, that God's against us. And so I reject the lie of the enemy that you are against me or you are mad at me. Again, release that, reject that. Father, we're grateful. I love the end of Romans 8 where it says there's nothing in all of creation that can separate us from your love that is in Christ Jesus. No hardship, no difficulty, no attack. But Lord, we are in your embrace. And so we love you. Amen. Hey, y'all. I'm Melissa Church, and I serve with the women's ministry, and I'm here with the privilege to bring the word from Mark 1, 29 to 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And from Luke 5, 15 and 16. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Hey, my name's Colin, and uh, it's good to be with you tonight. Hey, if you haven't had the chance yet, uh, a person next to you, behind you, around you, would you just say hi? Um, A face you don't know yet. Take a moment to greet one another, and then uh, we'll dive into this teaching together. Um, we're, we're in a series on the spiritual rhythms, the disciplines, practices. If you're new, welcome. This is where we've been all summer. Have you enjoyed this series? Yeah. Oh, confession last week. Man, Nick Rowland. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm really nervous, um, tonight. And, uh, because probably of all the 
disciplines mentioned, number seven is the one that I am the most uncomfortable as well as the worst at. Um, I like noise, I like music, I like background things. If I'm doing the dishes, YouTube's playing like some old like ancient heresy debate or something that my kids and wife are like, why do you listen to that? Um, I don't like awkward silences or long pauses. I wanna fill that space. Like this is a practice that for decades I have ruined (laughs) and avoided. Anybody else? Uh, I avoid this for really two reasons. There's a lot, but for myself, there's really two primary things that, that I found I avoid silence and solitude for. One was because I have this incessant need to do. Let's go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Shauna. This incessant need to like, I have to be doing something. I gotta be talking, I gotta be speaking, I gotta be listening, I gotta be driving, I gotta be running, I gotta be biking. Like this, I can't stop. Because I, I live in a world and in a culture where right after somebody says, who are you? What is the very next question they're gonna ask me? What do you do? Why? Because my value of who I am is actually attached to what I do. And friends, it's kind of embarrassing. Like I used to get really nervous and I thought like, is there like a crafty way to tell them I'm a pastor? Is there a cool way to like, I'm a, I'm a philosopher of Jesus or like something that like somebody would like actually engage with, but I've given up on that now. And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And sometimes you get people who don't like that. And sometimes you get people who like that too much. And they will tell you all the ways that you, they think you could be doing it better. But our value, our worth is I gotta do, I gotta do. So even like with the other disciplines like fasting and scripture and confession, like, yes, because I don't wanna just, I don't know how to be. And the other side of that is because I got a lot of thoughts and I got a lot of emotions and I kind of prefer to stuff them. I don't wanna sit still and quiet with them because especially not with the triune God because what's gonna come up? Or when those things come up, what's, what's he gonna say? Or like, I, I don't wanna bring out the mess of my life into public. I'd actually kind of prefer to keep that in the private. And then I read this prayer book by Tim Keller. I miss him. Pastor Keller passed and uh, I miss him, but, but he continues his legacy with the gospel continues. He says, if we give priority to the outer life, the doing life, our inner life will be dark and scary. We will not know what to do with solitude. We will be deeply uncomfortable with self-examination and we will have an increasingly short attention span. Squirrel. For any kind of reflection, even more seriously, this is important. Our lives will lack integrity. Outwardly, we we will need to project confidence, spiritual and emotional health and wholeness while inwardly we may be filled with self-doubts, anxieties, self-pity, and old grudges. Mm. So I have a parable, a story uh, of my journey into silence and solitude. Um, And it's actually about a two-year journey, which in human years means like I'm barely walking. Like I'm still in diapers on this spiritual practice. So please hear me tonight. This is not the expert. Like maybe we should have given Gary Oliver this one. It's just like we gave him prayer. Maybe we'd be like, Gary, what do you got? But you get the, the guy who's fumbling forward tonight, okay? So I'm not coming at this as, ah, oh, I got this one figured out. I'm, I'm stumbling into this and learning. But I'm about two years in. Because two years ago, I crashed headfirst 
into solitude. Um, it was a very busy season in my life. Uh, I had neglected a sabbatical. I pushed it off a year because my wife and kids didn't deserve that time. The ministry did. And it was also during like lockdown and COVID and political wars and all the like chaos. And I was like, I gotta stay in the fight. And uh, this outer life, like I thought, and even like, I think I had other people convinced, I got it all together. Like I read Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Homer and my wife and I like have are gardening now. Like, well, that's awesome. And uh, we're reaching out and, and having these beautiful experiences and small groups and worship. And uh, I was still studying scripture and I was still reading lots of books and I was in seminary and my kids and it was just like, go, 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 go mode. And people kept telling me, you gotta slow down. You gotta slow down. I actually, there was a silence and solitude retreat that Mosaic put on, and I said, I don't need that. I'm too busy. <laughs> and they uh, forced me. Um, Will Blanchard and the training center team, they hold these, these retreats for pastors and our staff, as well as you're at a church that actually takes care of churches all across the states, and even now the world, where we bring them in and care for them, and they come and they rest and they slow down and so I kind of like begrudgingly, I was actually supposed to teach on a Saturday on a non-anxious presence, which I was not one of. So maybe this is God's way of saying like, you're not ready for that one, bud. But I, I went to this pastor's retreat um, with a, a couple of fellowship pastors. And we, uh, because of my incessant need to do, I couldn't just sit and read. I couldn't sit and pray. So we said, let's go mountain biking. Any mountain bikers in here? Do I have folks who ride the trail regularly? Okay, my friends who ride the trails regularly will know. If you're a newbie, there is a certain type of bike that you should be on. There's also like six other types of bikes you have not earned the hours to be on yet. Um, I knew the guy we were renting from. He's like, hey, you could do this level or bro, we can get you onto this level. And I was like, that level. Dual suspension, Santa Cruz, like, way too expensive of a bike for a person to spend on a bike. Like, are you kidding me? What is happening with the cost of bikes? And we get out there on these trails and it's good. And I've already flipped over the handlebars twice. Probably should have stopped, right? But no, it's, it's go mode. It's due time. And it's the last run. And for my mountain biking friends, it's always what? The last run. Uh, we're on a pavement trail, so now it's not dirt, it's concrete. Um, and I've already gotten pretty experienced about flipping over these handlebars. So I think I kind of know if it happens again, I'll be ready. I go over the handlebar, separated shoulder, collapsed a lung with a broken rib, L1, my, my vertebrae on my back, uh, compression fractured, and I, um, I couldn't go anymore. So I end up in a hospital bed. My sweet wifey comes in and that's the, I'm good, hang loose, like we're good. I was supposed to take my kids to, I'm teaching on non-anxious presence this Saturday. This was a Wednesday. I'm taking my kids to Disney and starting sabbatical the next day. And the doctor comes in. He says, no, 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 no. You're going to be laying and sitting down for a long time. And so it was about three months of just getting to the point where I could start walking again. And for some of my friends who've battled injury or chronic illness, you, you know that pain of just laying in a room alone and how dark and sad and lonely it can become. And uh, I get home from the hospital and I'm kind of like barely breathing and fumbling and my kids are like screaming at me and my wife's like, no, don't touch them there. And uh, my wife says, I've created a space for you. I've created a space for you to come to be with God and heal. 
and uh, it's our, our study, our office. And she had taken what was Reeve's room and we kicked him out and now this is our room. This is our space to come and be with God. And I got in there and, and it was fine. But again, once I healed up, I immediately started to try going again. Let me do, 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 do. And uh, I read lots of books in there and I prayed a lot of things, a lot of anger. And uh, I got back up and once I could start physically going again, um, I couldn't emotionally go. Like I'm starting to have panic attacks and like tight chest anxiety and like, what is this? Where is this coming from? That wasn't there before. Oh wait, no, it was there before. I just haven't given myself the time to actually let it settle. And then I, after the physical healing, I began, no, okay, actually I need to do some emotional and spiritual healing. And so I did some counseling and therapy and my therapist would sit with me in that room on the doing virtual. Her name was Marlo and she would say things like, I want you to sit with God in this dark and anxious thought. So don't avoid that thought, Colin. I want you to sit with God in that thought. I want you to start breathing deep because even as Tom said, breath actually is a way to begin. One, we're allowing our brains neurologically, it's beginning to open up different chemicals that are allowing us to feel safe as well as present. In this moment, I exist here. And she taught me, I want you to hold your hands open and I want you just to sit quietly and receive what God says. Man, okay, so I start trying to do that and then I had another friend, I'm not friends with him, I'd love to be, and a guy named Dallas Willard who said that while I'm sitting in that room praying and, and trying to be with God in silence, he says, solitude while practice will break the power of busyness, haste, isolation, and loneliness. You will see that the world is not on your shoulders. That's good news because mine can't hold it um, after all. And uh, in this story, my story, this parable, I began to see silence and solitude not as something that I do, but as a space where I can just come and be. And uh, it's a pattern that comes right from, as we saw, the Gospels, um, the teachings of Jesus, the Master himself. See, because you'll notice in Mark, as we read, look, there's this pattern of how Jesus interacted in the world. First, it always started with time with others. Um, Jesus wasn't a hermit. Uh, Jesus wasn't some, like, monk off out in, like, this, like, monastery alone and people had to go find him. No, he was community. He was social. He had, he had a busy calendar. Just walk with me through this. Um, first, he, uh, the act of busy Jesus, he has appointments in synagogue. He's just taught in a synagogue, very public place, gotten into a few tiffs and arguments with the Pharisees, which was a regular practice of Jesus as well. Um, after that, after some speaking engagements and debating with Pharisees, he then goes to his friend's mother's-in-law's house. Just talk about like a random place to be as the God man. Like, hey, I need some help with my wife's mom. Could you come heal her? And so Jesus does. He comes and he heals her. And then right after that, after the, the healing, the fever leaves her. And then on to the next, he's, he's now got people coming with all sorts of various diseases and illnesses. And he's healing them. He's touching them. He's with them. He's talking with them. Oh, by the way, there's spiritual beings known as demons and Jesus is interacting and having conversations with them as well. Now, does it look like Jesus had a pretty full ministry calendar? Yes, which should teach us something. That our goal with these spiritual rhythms is not that, that we escape out of the world in these practices, 
No, actually what we'll see in Jesus's life, as well as for many of his followers, was they are to be for and in and active in the world. This pattern of being with others. But notice then what Jesus does. Mark 1.35. After that super long, busy ministry day, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary, a desolate, the Greek word is eremos, place where he prayed. I think it's important to note that after a full day, Jesus in the city with people retreats and he spends time in prayer. But it, it, it doesn't stay there because it, then it keeps going. If you keep going in Mark, he goes right back into time with others. Simon, they come to him, they look for him. Hey, they, they wanna see you. Everyone's looking for you. And Jesus replies, nope, I can't right now. I'm getting me time. Does Jesus stand there and say like, nah, like I'm doing some self-care and I just, I kind of need some separation from everybody. No, he, he leaves that space in that time and he goes and he engages back into the city with people. And if, it's fascinating. If you follow Mark through this whole story, the very last verse in Mark 1, do you wanna know what Jesus does? He goes off to a solitary place. And he spends that time with God. Mark's not the only one who picks up it. Luke is actually full of these, these moments where Jesus pulls away. Just a few of my favorite. Luke tells us not only why, but also the reason. Um, first, Luke, 1, uh, Luke 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. So Jesus has just had the most public moment in his ministry, beginning it baptized in the Jordan with everybody looking around, the, the father from heaven, his voice has just been audibly heard. And where does Jesus go? Wilderness, Aramos. He, he goes off from that public space. He doesn't start with like, all right, kingdom of God, let's go. We just heard the audible voice of the father. Talk about a church planning strategy. No, he, he goes and then he comes and he's quiet off to a solitary place. Why? Because Jesus goes to the solitary place just to chill, relax, and hang out with the Father? No, he actually goes to struggle with evil and the enemy and the temptations he brings, which should tell us something. Silence and solitude is not a vacation. <laughs> Apparently, for Jesus, and solitude, uh, Jesus, silence and solitude is a way to actually interact with evil around us and within us. It's a wrestling. Next, I love this one, as, as Melissa read so well. Melissa, thanks for reading. Uh, the news about him spread all the more. Crowds are coming to hear him be healed. But Jesus, how, when? Often withdrew. So this is a, a regular practice for him. That often, but notice it's, it's actually in moments where there is busyness and high demand. And Jesus still said, no, this is so important that I'm gonna continue to do this. I'm going to pull away. Could you imagine uh, our work culture? Like our homes if amidst like the busy moments, the busy times where we feel like we need to have the world on our shoulders if we pulled off. Last, that, that I love it in Luke 6, one of those days, just another average work day in the God man's life, Jesus goes to a mountainside to pray. You could regularly find him at the Mount of Olives. And he spent the night, spent the night praying. Like this was something that was so integral to his life and his habits, his pattern. He's there all night. And when, he, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose the 12 of them to be apostles. Big decision moment, like a big moment in Jesus's ministry. He's about to call the 12 who are going to join him and ushering in the kingdom. 
And he spends the night before with his father in a desolate place. Because for Jesus, what we can see is that um, in his silence and solitude, it, it was a sacred space, a place that, that was just, it was a garden, it was a, a mountainside. Uh, it, it wasn't a place that was religious, like the temple was right there, yet he's off away from it. Why was it sacred? It was sacred because of the purpose it had been given, to spend intimate time with the Father. And he's uh, away from the demands and distractions of life. And, and so I think if you were to look at this pattern, Jesus has... You could find him in one of two places. One, you could find him in the city, preaching, teaching, and healing. Activity, good things he was doing that we also should do as his followers. That we need to be engaged in the life and in seeking justice and the hardships and the pain and in the struggles of what people in our cities are facing. That We can join them in that. But also he had the Eremos, his, his desolate withdrawing place where he would go to be with the father that he could engage with him. And to have intimate time of prayer and worship. And between these two places, what you see is the the whole reason Jesus is doing it is to be with his father. The goal wasn't just to be in the city with the people where the needs are. His goal wasn't just to escape and have time alone. It was actually to see both of those coming into harmony of joining what his father is up to in this world. And it's the same for his followers that both were spaces to engage and to walk with God. And, and this is true, not just in Jesus' life. We can see this in the fabric of humanity. Um, any musicians in the room will know, and I've watched and sat with Cassie Rowland and uh, Heidi Franz, who was my choir teacher, which is crazy. Uh, I'm sorry, Heidi, if you're in here for seventh grade Colin. But um, where we would do, you remember in choir, where you do the claps on the beats, and then there was a rest. Why? Because constant noise like this, we can't exist like that, can we? Did you know there's actually compositions now where it's just silence? Like in the middle of an entire orchestra, it is just three minutes and 44 seconds of... Because we need both. Music is both the noise and the silence, the chaos and the order, the... the, Busy in the hurry as well as the slow down and enjoy. Or, I mean, if that one doesn't float your boat, uh, every one of us drives. And what is up with Northwest Arkansas and roundabouts? Why are there so many roundabouts? I'm from Alabama. Um, I don't know. I, like, I don't drive in cities. I don't get it. And I, I'm just, it, anyway, um, stay, stick with the notes, call. Um, at these roundabouts, if you are just plowing and going and going, how are we going to end up? You're gonna crash into solitude and it might end up in a jail cell depending on who's at fault. No, you, you will definitely get a ticket. No, at, at these roundabouts, what do we have to do before we go? We yield, we slow down, we stop. It's the same in our spiritual life. If we are just grinding, grinding outer life and we don't give any attention to slow down for the inner life, we're gonna crash and burn. I read this book by uh, Ruth Haley Barton and it's called How to Strengthen the Soul of Your Leadership. And I read it like six years ago before my Silence and Solitude retreat that was kind of forced upon me by a bike wreck. Um, and one of the things she talks about is our lives are like a jar. And if you took a jar and put it into a lake and you shook it up and it's all just swirling and there's, there's dust and there's muck and there's other things. And, and that's part of that experience. That's not bad necessarily. 
But what, what that needs is some space actually to slow down and to settle. And as it settles, the water actually becomes more clear and you can begin to see through that jar. And her point is, so it is with our lives. We have these moments where it's just shaken up and we're going and we're going and we need a time and a space to stop, to slow down and to, to let God allow those things to become clear to us. Our spiritual growth, our inner life and our outer life. So for Jesus, silence and solitude was a space and a time that he would go enjoy. I mean, it was a delight. It was a joy for him so much so that he regularly did it all the way up until the night before his death. Where he's in the garden. Why? Well, he's developing an intimate and intentional relationship with his father. Intimate. I mean, just this knowledge of knowing. I love this. I mean, how many of you have a relationship where you can just sit quietly in a room together? and know that you are loved and present to one another. No need to say anything or do anything, just to be with one another. And it's intentional. It seems like Jesus made this a, a regular practice. It wasn't something he just kind of stumbled into. No, he, was, he had a full schedule and he would make sure to have these spaces and these times. And so for us, uh, I'm a follower of Jesus, which means I want my habits and my life and everything I have and everything I am to follow up under his teachings. So for us, what does it look like to practice this, to have that relationship, that intimate time and space with, with the Father? A couple of things. First, I think we have to talk about what silence and solitude is not um, because I think this is one where our culture, um, as well as just some misunderstandings about it, could, could do us more damage than help. So a few things it's not. One, um, it's not an emptying of your mind kind of like the home and just trying to like stop existing. This isn't um, a form of Eastern meditation. It's a form of meditation. And Jesus was from the East, but we're not trying to empty ourselves of anything. It's actually what Paul calls a renewal of the mind. It's a filling. So when we talk about silence, it's not this, gosh, I just wish everything would be quiet so that I can just black, like blank out. No, it's, it's, I want things to slow down and be quiet so that I can be filled with what's true about God. It's also, it's not avoiding thoughts and feelings. And this one was hard for me. Rodney Holmstrom, thank you for your help. Um, I would get in that chair and I'd have my quiet time with God and the thoughts and the panics and the, oh my gosh. And I would immediately wanna like get out of there. It's not avoiding those things. It's actually sitting with God in those things. Rodney gave me a practice. He said, hey, what if you imagined you and God going down into a basement? It's a dark, scary place down there. But I want you to imagine you have all these thoughts and these feelings down there that you don't want to mess with, but they need to be organized. They need to be taken care of. And so what if we just spent five minutes in silence and solitude and prayed and then we joined God in those feelings and we went together and we started picking them up, put them in boxes and put them on a shelf. And it's just a practice of filling your mind with what's true and addressing those thoughts and feelings together. It's also not abstaining from noise. And this one like kind of irks me or gets me because I want like, I want good silence. It's kind of funny. Like my wife will be like, why have you been at like six different places this morning? It's like, because I'm trying to find silence. Like I want no noise. There's coughing. There's like, even in this room, when you get up for communion later, you're gonna hear like there's chairs squeaking. And our goal with silence and solitude is not about just trying to see all noise stop doesn't matter what kind of silence you find. The goal of it is about enjoying God's presence. It's coming in that relationship. Say, I don't have to say anything. 
I don't have to put headphones in and listen to music. I just wanna sit and be with you, God. On the other side of things, solitude is not about isolating from relationships. Um, Jesus would have a temporary time where he would isolate, but it was, it was from the busy and the hurry. It wasn't from the relationships with people. Why? Because he would come right back. Um, for me, the silence and solitude, it's not about hiding from difficult people in, in your life. <laughs> like, I don't like that person or that person did that, so I'm practicing silence and solitude. No, um, you're angry and you're bitter and that's gonna fester and you're actually probably gonna deal with it in your silence and solitude and you need to re-engage the relationship. It's not about avoiding loving others. Jesus regularly had people interrupt his time in the gardens. Uh, one time it was a, a Roman centurion with a sword. And one of my son's favorite stories in the gospels is when that, that Roman soldier comes and they start to arrest Jesus and Peter like takes it out and cuts the guy's ear off. My kids think that is so funny because they're just like, why the ear? Like how bad, like why did, his head was right there. You could have gotten the whole, anyway, notes. It wasn't avoiding loving others because Jesus would be interrupted even by his enemies in that space and he would interact with them. Oh, and, and confession out of last week, my sweet little boys, you know, it's like 6 a.m. I got my coffee, we're holding hands, like quiet, thank you, Lord. And I hear the door next to it. <laughs> Dang it, it's Beckham. My eight-year-old comes in and I could see that as an inter you're interrupting my solitude. Or I could be like Jesus and say, oh, sweet, I got, I got company now, Lord. Let's invite him to sit with us. It's not about avoiding relationships. It's not about avoiding loving people. And it's also not abstaining from problems. It's not saying there's injustice, there's brokenness, there's hardship in our cities. Nah, I'm just gonna go out to the wilderness and break. No, we're actually called to join God in those things in the renewal of all things. It's also not taking a break from the problems we have here. Loss, grief, hardship, depression, whatever it is. Silence and solitude is not a way that we, we avoid or, or don't work through those things. It's a way that we actually join God in them. So best definition I could give. I love definitions. Silence is an intentional temporary abstaining. It's an abstinence. One of the practices where we abstain from talking. Just to, to be quiet and from distractions so that we can sit quietly with God. I don't have to do, I don't have to say anything. I can just sit quietly with you, God. And solitude, like in the same way as an intentional temporary withdrawing to a private place, having a, a space and a place. And again, I, I call it a sacred space, not because it's like some super special, like mystical, no, no it's a designated place that's becoming holy because I'm spending time with God there. I have a, I have a, we call it thin space in our house where our space and God's space just becomes kind of thinner. And it's a space for you to sit with God, as my wife would say, while you heal. Now one would say that without solitude, it is virtually impossible, impossible to live the spiritual life. It begins with a time and place for God and for him alone. And if we really believe not only that God exists, but also that he is actively present in our lives. How often do you spend time each day thinking of, this is a God who transcends universe, yet at the same time is closer to me than my own breath. Emmanuel, God with us. That he's present in our lives, healing, teaching, guiding. We need to set aside a time and a space to give him undivided attention because as Jesus did in silence and solitude, we have the invitation to have an intimate and intentional 
time with God. That's it. That's all we're doing. So a, a few practical things, and then we'll, we'll take some silence together. First is, how do you cultivate that sacred space to commune? Um, how, how do you have that time and that space where you and God can just enjoy being together? One would be, it's pretty simple, choose a place. Like choose a spot that's, I would say, enjoyable. A place you love to go and relax and, and, and to be. Two, pick a time, like put it on the calendar. Otherwise, it's just gonna be something that, that goes out. The, and also, I'd pick a duration, like aim small, miss small. A minute of just trying to silently sit with God is awesome. Stoplights, oh my gosh. Could you imagine how many, if we had a bunch of followers of Jesus that every stoplight became an opportunity to commune with the Father? Um, this one's key. Hey, give your devices a, a silence and solitude retreat. Like, turn them off. I know there's so many great apps and there's so many good things and, and, and we use them for this. Let's just throw the devices in the drawer and let's just be or, or have the living, have scripture, God's word in front of you. So there's no distractions here. And lastly, just sit back, relax and be with God. Gary Oliver um, called it wasting time with God. To start, I love to start my morning, a cup of coffee, a Bible and a chair and a space to be alone with God. But if you're like me, you get in your room, you pick your space and you do all your things. And as soon as you sit down and you're like, quiet, it's like, okay, God, we're here together. Now what? Because if you're like me, you're, you're gonna get in that room and you start to settle and you get quiet and the anxious thoughts start coming or the, oh, I didn't respond to that email or, ooh, that, that person I still need to hang out with or text or um, I could have done that thing better. Man, I failed at that. And your mind just starts to, to wander um, one psychologist says, someone once said that the deepest problem in prayer is often not the absence of God, it's the absence of me. I'm not actually there because my mind is everywhere. Because if you look at Jesus's example of silence and solitude, it wasn't just a quiet place and a quiet space. He was praying. Or he was reciting scripture. Or he was engaging in some other way that was keeping him in that place, enjoying time and worship. So silence and solitude forms this foundation, but it's meant to be supplemented with fasting or with prayer or whichever of the practices. And so two for me that I found very helpful to just anchor my mind as well as my body in silence and solitude. So I get in the chair, I got the coffee. Father, come, I'm glad you're here. It's good to be with you again this morning. Let's look at the scriptures together. And we did a little bit of it just a little bit ago. You're actually pretty good at this. It's just sitting with scripture, not necessarily to study. You, you do, do need to study scripture. It's to sit with scripture, a small portion of scripture and allow it to study you. And so it starts with Lectio. That is just a slow, repetitive reading. And after reading it two, three, four times, then I, I start to reflect, ooh, I like that word, condemnation. Romans 8.1, no, no condemnation. That's a really good word. And then I take it and I start to respond to God. God, I feel really condemned for a lot of things right now. I feel like I'm failing in like six different areas. And then contemplatio is to rest. So just take that to God and I'm just gonna sit there and see, Lord, what do you think about that? What's true here? Oh, that's right, there is no condemnation. And just enjoy being with him. Another one we also just did a little bit ago with Tom is, is a breath prayer. Now, again, this is not some like mysticism or yoga or anything like that. It's a way to focus our mind on what's true. 
And again, breathing is just a way for us to be able to stay grounded and present with what's happening. So to get quietly in the room, and as Gary led us so well earlier in our series, I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna pray. And I'm gonna breathe in. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm gonna breathe out. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And I just enjoy some quiet with him as a way to, to begin to commune and make it a pattern and a habit for me. So to close, I've made a space for you tonight to sit and heal. Communion is actually, if communion ushers would go ahead and begin to pass, communion's gonna be coming to you tonight and I would just love to invite you to sit with the elements. They're double cupped, which means there's two cups. Um, so if you get it, it's like, where's the cracker? It's underneath, you just take it out. And I wanna invite us for a moment just to, to sit together quietly with the elements just to enjoy some time with God. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. We're gonna sing here in a moment too. But just to take a moment with those elements and to sit and just to receive what is true about what God has done in and through these elements. We'll sing, then we'll take and eat and we'll head out to Northwest Arkansas to go Aramos and to love people in our city well. So, Together, let's enjoy some time in silence. In the quiet, in the stillness, I know that you are God. In the secret of your presence, I know there I am restored.
a moment and just sing this a couple times together and just declare the truth that there is no one else for us but for Jesus. There is no one else for me. to set me free. Now I live to bring him There is no one else for me. None but Jesus. Crucified So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat with his disciples for a holy Passover meal. And it was something that, you know, Jewish people growing up would have done that every single year. And now for us, this Passover meal takes on a whole new meaning. 
because the following day, Jesus, his blood would wash over us in the same way that the Israelites were saved because of the blood of, of, of the lamb on their doorposts. And so would you take the bread and, and Jesus told his disciples, this is my body, which was broken for you. Let's take and eat. And afterwards, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of my new covenant, which has been spilled for you. Take and drink. And in that same evening, Jesus told his disciples that he goes to prepare a place for us. And that when he gets there, he will bring us to himself. Whenever the time comes, he will bring us not just to heaven, but to himself. And this is what he says in John, so that where I may, where I may be, there you may be also. And I think if you're like me, sometimes when I think about silence and solitude, I get kind of scared of like, oh my gosh, spending X amount of minutes, hours or whatever, without saying anything and without and just me, myself, bear before the Lord. And I get really nervous, and then that makes me ask questions about why am I nervous? Why am I scared? But the thing is, is that Jesus came so that I could have life and life to the fullest, so that you could have life and life to the fullest. And that exists with him. So just like Tom said earlier, let's reject the lie that God is angry at us or that there is anything that could separate us from him. He wants time with you. And so as we leave, let's say this formation prayer. This is the one that we've been saying every week that as we do these rhythms, we want to look more like Jesus. And that if we imagine our hearts like a home, may he move into more and more rooms within that home. And so, let's say this together. God, we join with your church throughout history in studying rhythms that will help us live and love more like you. Make us more like Jesus. Help us, for we are prone to doing too little, withholding parts of ourselves from you, Father. Expand our hearts. Make us more like Jesus. Help us, for we're also prone to doing too much, trusting in our own accomplishments. Spirit, teach us to rest. Make us more like Jesus. Lord, give us the patience and perseverance we need to trust your work as you shape us into the likeness of your perfect son. In Jesus' name, amen. And hey, um, just like we say every week, if you need prayer, our prayer team um, will be up here. Do not leave tonight if there is something that you need to bring before the Lord. And it, we have people here that wanna do that with you. If, if that's where you are, please come and find us. Also in the lobby, our info booth if you wanna get connected. Hey, let's say this benediction together. Let us go to love and serve the Lord. And the people said, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.